are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head over to the Facebook group, Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Angreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Storm Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 363. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 21, Paragraphs 767 to 774. 767. Endowed with these gifts, the Most Blessed Mary issued from the tomb in body and soul, without raising the stone cover, and without disturbing the position of the tunic and the mantle that had enveloped her sacred body. Since it is impossible to describe her beauty and refulgent glory, I will not make the attempt. It is sufficient to say that just as the Heavenly Mother had given to her Divine Son in her womb the form of man, pure, unstained, and sinless, for the redemption of the world, so in return the Lord, in this resurrection and new regeneration, gave to her a glory and a beauty similar to his own. In this mysterious and divine interchange, each one did what was possible. Most Holy Mary engendered Christ, assimilating him as much as possible to herself, and Christ resuscitated her, communicating to her his glory as far as she was capable as a creature. 768. Then from the sepulcher was started a most solemn procession, moving with celestial music through the regions of the air and toward the Empyrean heaven. This happened in the hour immediately after midnight, in which also the Lord had risen from the grave, and therefore... Not all of the apostles were witnesses of this prodigy, but only some of them who were present and watching at the sepulchre. The saints and angels entered heaven in the order in which they had started, and in the last place came Christ our Savior, and at his right hand the Queen, clothed in the gold of variety, as David says, Psalm 44.10, and so beautiful that she was the admiration of the heavenly court. All of them turned toward her to look upon her and bless her with new jubilee and songs of praise. Thus were heard these mysterious eulogies recorded by Solomon. Come, daughters of Zion, to see your queen, who is praised by the morning stars and celebrated by the sons of the Most High. Who is she that comes from the desert like a column of all the aromatic perfumes? Who is she that rises like the aurora, more beautiful than the moon, elect as the sun, terrible as many serried armies, Who is she that comes up from the desert, resting upon her beloved and spreading forth abundant delights? Canticle 3, 6-9-8-5 Who is she in whom the deity itself finds so much pleasure and delight above all other creatures, and whom he exalts above them all in the heavens? 
O novelty worthy of the infinite wisdom, O prodigy of his omnipotence, which so magnifies and exalts her. 7.69 Amid this glory, the Most Blessed Mary arrived, body and soul, at the throne of the Blessed Trinity, and the three divine persons received her on it with an embrace eternally undissoluble. The Eternal Father said to her, Ascend higher, my daughter and my dove. The incarnate word spoke, My mother, of whom I have received human being and full return of my work, in thy perfect imitation, receive now from my hand the reward thou hast merited. The Holy Ghost said, My most beloved spouse, enter into the eternal joy which corresponds to the most faithful love. Do thou now enjoy thy love without solicitude, for past is the winter of suffering, for thou hast arrived at our eternal embraces. There the most blessed Mary was absorbed in the contemplation of the three divine persons, and as it were, overwhelmed in the boundless ocean and abyss of the divinity, while the saints were filled with wonder and new accidental delight. Since at the occasion of this work of the Omnipotent happened other wonders, I shall speak of them as far as possible in the following chapter. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven Most Holy Mary gave me. 770. My daughter, lamentable and inexcusable is the ignorance of men, and so knowingly forgetting the eternal glory which God has prepared for those who dispose themselves to merit it. I wish that thou bitterly bewail and deplore the pernicious forgetfulness, for there is no doubt that whoever willfully forgets the eternal glory and happiness is in evident danger of losing it. No one is free from this guilt, not only because men do not apply much labor or effort in seeking and retaining the remembrance of this happiness, but they labor with all their powers and things that make them forget the end for which they were created. Undoubtedly, this forgetfulness arises from their entangling themselves in the pride of life, the covetousness of the eyes and the desires of the flesh. John 2.16 For employing therein all the forces and faculties of their soul during the whole time of their life, they have no leisure, care, or attention for the thoughts of eternal felicity. Let men acknowledge and confess whether this recollection costs them more labor than to follow their blind passions, seeking after honors, possessions, or the transitory pleasures, all of which have an end with this life, and which, after much striving and labor, many men do not and can never attain. 771. How much easier is it for mortals to avoid such perversity, especially for the children of the church, since they have at hand the easy means of faith and hope for attaining the truth? even if to gain eternal happiness, were as difficult to obtain as honors and riches and other apparent advantages. It would be very foolish to labor as much for the false as for the true advantages, for the eternal punishment as for eternal glory. This abominable foolishness thou wilt perceive and bewail with tears, my daughter, if thou wilt consider the world in which thou livest, how it is disturbed by wars and discords, how many unhappy ones it contains." who seek death in exchange for a short vain honor, vengeance, and other most vile advantages, while they do not think or care for eternal life than irrational animals. It would be a blessing for them if, like animals, they could end altogether with the temporal death, but as the most of them act against justice and others, who still seek to be just, live in forgetfulness of their end. The ones, as well as the others, incur the eternal death. 772 this is a sorrow beyond all sorrows, and a misfortune without equal and without remedy. Afflict thyself, lament, and grieve without consolation over this ruin of so many souls brought by the blood of my divine Son. 
I assure thee, my dearest, that if men would not make themselves so unworthy of it, my charity would urge me in the celestial glory, where thou knowest me to be to send forth a voice through the whole world, exclaiming, Mortal and deceived men, what are you doing? For what purpose are you living? Do you realize what it is to see God face to face and to participate in his eternal glory and share his company? Of what are you thinking? Who has thus disturbed and fascinated your judgment? What will you seek if once you have lost the true blessing and happiness, since there is no other? The labor is short, the reward is infinite glory, and the punishment is eternal. 773. In connection with this sorrow which I am trying to excite in thee, seek to labor assiduously in order to evade the danger. A living example thou hast in my life, which was a continual suffering, such as thou hast known, but when I come to my reward, all of it seemed as nothing, and I forget it as if it had not occurred. Resolve, my dear, to follow me in my labor, and though the labor seem to exceed that of all the mortals, look upon it as most insignificant. Let nothing seem to thee difficult or hard or bitter, even to passing through fire and sword. Extend thy hand to great things, and shield thy domestics and senses with double vestments. Proverbs thirty-one nineteen twenty-one against hardships and sufferings to the utmost of their powers. At the same time, I wish thee to be free from another error, that of men who say, Let us secure salvation. Greater or less glory does not matter. We shall all be together in that life. By this false principle, my daughter, eternal life is not made secure, but rather put at hazard, since it arises from great foolishness and want of divine love. Who seeks to make such a bargain with God, offends him, and tempts him to permit such souls to live in continued danger of perdition. Human weakness always tends to do less good than it desires to do, and when this desire is small, then it will execute very little, and hence risk losing all. 7.74 He who contents himself with the mediocre or lowest in virtue always leaves in his will and in his inclinations an opening for earthly affections and love of passing things. Such an opening is contrary to divine love, and therefore unavoidably causes the loss of the latter and the ascendancy of the former. When the creature resolves to love God from all its heart and with all its powers, as he commands, God overlooks its human defects and shortcomings, and is pleased with the resolve to reap the highest rewards. But to despise them or willfully undervalue them shows not the love of children or of true friends, but the base fear of slaves who are content to live and be let alone. If the saints could return to merit some additional degree of glory by suffering all torments to the day of judgment, they would doubtlessly return, because they have a true and perfect knowledge of the value of the reward, and they love God with a perfect charity. It is not proper that this privilege be granted to the saints, but it was conceded to me, as that was recorded in this history, and my example confirms this truth. It also reproves the foolishness of those who, in order to avoid suffering on the cross of Christ, are looking for a curtailed reward one which is contrary to the inclination of God's goodness and contrary to his desire of seeing souls multiply their merits and gain copious rewards in the eternal felicity. This concludes our reading today for day number 363. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 21, paragraphs 767 to 774. Well, today then, we really see the assumption of Our Lady that we see that she is taken into heaven, that there's this procession in eternal glory. 
And one of the things that I find peculiar, and I'll be interested to see if it's in tomorrow's reading, is that according to some traditions, the dormition or the death of Our Lady, that after three or four days, they went to the tomb, the apostles, they opened it and they saw that her body wasn't there. And so we have not yet had that recounting of that part of the story of Mary's death, which is given to us by some of the Eastern writings of the church. I think one thing that bears repeating today is this. It's from paragraph 773. At the same time, I wish thee to be free from another error, that of men who say, let us secure salvation, greater or less glory does not matter, we shall all be together in that life. By this false principle, my daughter, eternal life is not made secure, but rather put at hazard. Now, I was trying to understand what she might be saying here. Again, listen to it. At the same time, I wish thee to be free from another error, that of men who say, let us secure salvation, greater or less glory does not matter, we shall all be together in that life. I think maybe there's two things that it's getting at. The first would be the idea of, well, let me just do as little as I can, and I will just barely scrape by and get into the kingdom of heaven. Well, salvation is not secured. That's what Maria Vagrida is saying. But I also wonder if she's saying that people have the assumption, too, of eternal life, that their salvation has already been secured, and that they need not worry. Well, we should always worry. We should always worry about the state of our soul and our relationship with God so that, yes, at the end of our life, we can enjoy the beatific vision. She concludes in paragraph 774 by saying that the saints would come back to do more suffering in order because of the day of judgment. They would doubtlessly return, she says, because they have a true per, true and perfect knowledge of the value of the reward and they love God with a perfect charity. So she's saying the saints would come back and they would want to even live their life better than what they're doing now to incorporate more suffering, more prayer and things like that. We can take this advice of Maria of Agreda and take more seriously our own salvation to take more seriously our love of God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.